Grace and mercy and peace be with you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Last Sunday, we started a new sermon series here at Saints Peter and Paul called Surprised by Hope, where we are looking at the resurrection of Jesus Christ as the central teaching, the central doctrine of our Christian faith and our Christian hope, and looking at what, the, what this means for our lives, for the world, and for the mission of the church. I want to say that this sermon series, uh, the way that we're structuring this, is really to be seen as a complete unit. So if you're here on any random Sunday, yes, you are going to hear truth, you're going you're gonna to get it, we're going to preach to you, but you're, you're only going to get pieces of it. So what's happening is throughout these weeks, we're giving you just a little bit piece by piece and building out this, this case for the resurrection of Jesus Christ and what it means for the world, for our lives, and for the mission of the church. So uh, you can always go and find these sermons online. You can read them even, watch them. Did he just assign homework for us? Maybe he did. I don't know. It's up to you. But that's, that's the intent here. Now today we are going to be asking this key question. What is God's purpose for the creation as a whole? What is God's purpose for the creation of, uh, as the whole? What, what does the resurrection of Jesus Christ mean for the whole creation? So we're going to start with this kind of wide-angle lens. Next week, we're going to zero in and focus and ask the question, what does the resurrection of Jesus mean for our lives as individuals? But today, zoomed out, what is, what is God's purpose for the whole world, and what does the resurrection of Jesus say about this? Now, we're going to get to the Christian answer to this question for sure, but before I do that, I want to show you two insufficient worldviews that are prevalent in the world. And I say they're insufficient because they're not 100% incorrect. There are elements of even Christian truth in these worldviews, but in these worldviews, I'm going to demonstrate they remove some things, add some things, mix some things up, take philosophies from other places, and, and jumble up the Christian hope and, and, and basically make it so that there is no true hope. So let me, let me demonstrate this to you. These two insufficient worldviews are the worldviews of progress and despair. Progress and despair. Let's look at them one at a time. First of all, the worldview of progress says this. The worldview of progress says that the world is not perfect as it is. But it's getting better. And over time, and with enough human ingenuity, it will continue to get better. Sometimes this worldview looks like the Christian faith because it borrows some ideas from a biblical worldview. Here's what it borrows from Christianity. The fact that the world is not all that it could be, and it's not all that it should be. There are things lacking. There are things broken. It should be better than this. 
The Christian answer to those problems is to look to God, the one who created it all, the one who sent his son Jesus into the world to redeem it all, Jesus who will come again to restore it all. But the worldview of progress says, give it enough time and give it enough human ingenuity and things will get better. Now, this worldview of progress became prevalent in the world kind of around the 1700s in Europe during what's called the Age of the Enlightenment. The Enlightenment time in Europe in the 1700s was a time where scientific advancement was growing at a rapid pace, and humanity began to look towards scientific advancement and human ingenuity as its hope. You could say as its savior for the problems of the world. And so human ingenuity took center stage and pushed God out to the margins. And human ingenuity proved itself to be pretty capable. Uh, Here's the deal. Uh, The worldview of progress is not all evil. There has been a lot of good that has come from people who have this kind of worldview. It was this worldview of progress that has led to many things, many lifestyles improving over time. I watched a TED Talk where a man was showing statistics for the last 200 years over the course of the whole world and demonstrating that Things like like famine and poverty and child mortality rates and accidental deaths even. A, a A lot of these problems have been decreasing dramatically in the world. While at the same time, the longevity of life has been increasing. And so you could say with all of the advancements of, of medicine and sanitation, all of these things that we've learned, that wellness has improved in many people's lives in the world. But the worldview of progress is an insufficient worldview in and of itself. Because here's what progress cannot answer. Progress cannot answer the problem of evil. Progress cannot answer why. Why are there world wars? Why are there pandemics? Why is there abuse of vulnerable people? Why is there crime? Why? Why is there death itself? Progress can also, not only can it not answer why, it also cannot cure evil. Sure, some people will say, give us more time, more money, more power, and it will happen. And yet it's under the guise of progress that some of the world's most most audacious evils were created. Under the guise of progress, things like nuclear proliferation and Auschwitz and mass genocide and eugenics, all of these things were created. Even communism itself comes from this worldview of progress, saying, put your hope in the hands of the right people, and things will get better. But history has proven, and the Bible makes this case as well, that people with power generally produce 
more evil. So progress does not work as a sufficient worldview to give us a true hope because it underestimates the nature and the power of evil. And therefore, it doesn't understand the vital importance of the cross. Because there at the cross where Jesus died for us, God said no to evil. And he said yes to creation. He said no to evil and he said yes to creation. See, the Christian truth found in the Bible is this, that the problem of evil will not be solved by our upward movement into the light, but by our God who stepped into the darkness to rescue us from our plight. The problem of evil will not be solved by our upward movement into the light, but by God who stepped into darkness to rescue us from our plight. It's all over in the Bible, but we read it today in the Old Testament lesson in Isaiah 35. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with recompense of God. He will come and save you. God saves. God does the saving. God does the the coming to people. God does it all. God does it. Progress denies Jesus the opportunity to be the Savior that we need him to be. And instead, it kicks him off the throne, and it puts us on the throne instead. The second insufficient worldview is the worldview of despair. Despair could be summarized as this, that the material things of the world, the the stuff that you can touch and see and feel and taste, that those things are evil, And the goal of life is to get out of this bag of flesh that is corrupt and get on to a greater spiritual existence. See, despair says that there is something better than the present world. And this can often look like Christianity as well. That it borrows from a biblical worldview the idea that in this world there is brokenness, people are selfish, wars exist, sickness is everywhere, death seems to dominate. But this worldview says that as things are falling apart, that there is some sort of spiritual existence that is better than here. The idea for this worldview goes way back Way back to Plato, not the stuff you played with as a kid, but to the the man who was an influential thinker, probably the most influential thinker in the Western world. He lived 400 years before Jesus, 400 years before Jesus. And Plato taught, and he thought this way, that the stuff that you can touch and see and taste that all of this material things, these are but a shadow of something better. That there's a better existence than the material things. He said that our true reality was beyond this stuff. And, you know, you hear people say things like this, that, like, my body is just a bag of flesh, and I just need to get in touch with my true self. 
I've heard people talk about this, their, their true self. Where does this idea come from? People from this sort of worldview, Plato would have said that, yes, you, you have some sort of spiritual self that's distinct from your bodily self. And Plato would have even said that spiritual self existed before the creation of the world. And after the creation of the world, you get to get rid of this bag of flesh, get out of this corrupt world, and go back to the place that you belong, your spiritual existence. This kind of thinking got into the Christian church very early on because it had been the dominant worldview for 400 years. And so in the Bible, in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul and the Apostle John in particular hit this head on. Because here's the point. The resurrection of Jesus runs contrary to this idea. If Plato says that material things are bad and we got to leave this body behind and go somewhere else, the resurrection of Jesus says the body matters. The body matters. The resurrection of Jesus says that God is not throwing away the creation. He's redeeming it, resurrecting it, restoring it, and renewing it. Unfortunately, this idea has made a resurgence in the Christian church, particularly in the last 200 years or so. And so it's become pretty common in the Christian worldview to think of our lives here and now as sort of a, a passing through. Sort of like this world is not really our home like we belong to some other place. We belong to something better. This, this gloomy world is, is, is bad and we just want to get out of here. And so we'll just sort of deal with it for now until it gets all better. But the problem with this kind of thinking is that it doesn't deal with the reality that God loves his creation that God made his creation and that you are part of it. You matter. You were made. You, you don't, if, you, if this is your idea, this is not the biblical idea, you do not have some sort of infinite soul that existed before the world was created. You are not of God like that. You are not part of the Godhead. When you were formed in your mother's womb, you were made. You were created as a unique human individual to live now and forever. But you were made to live as human in creation, to be dependent on water and on oxygen and on food and on shelter and on other people. And God made the whole thing. He made the whole creation. Do you remember how he made it? In Genesis, it said he made it good. He made it good, and he made humanity to be very good. That means that Earth Day is okay. We just had Earth Day, right? God loves the trees. He loves the water. 
He loves the mountains and the valleys and the sun and the moon and the stars. He loves it all because he made it and he made it to be good. So the resurrection of Jesus says that not only is Jesus coming to redeem and resurrect people, but the whole creation will be restored as well. This is what we read in Romans 8. Romans 8, 19 to 22. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. The whole creation is looking forward to the return of Christ. The whole creation groans, and we see this. We see this when the world is not working as it should, when it rebels, and we have conflicts. The whole creation is groaning, but the whole creation is waiting, and the whole creation will be set free from corruption because God is redeeming his good creation because he made it and he loves it. Now, the worldviews of progress and of despair, these things are not our true Christian hope. I've shown you that the worldview of progress cannot answer the problem of evil, and the worldview of despair denies God's good creation. If you think critically and pay attention to the way the world operates— to the motives and the conversations that are had, even to your very own thinking, you will see these two worldviews at play all over the place, and you probably tend towards one or the other. In this sermon series, we are asking you to rethink and reconsider what the resurrection of Jesus means for your life, for the world, and for the mission of the church. Now, in order to rethink these things, you may actually have to intentionally do that. My encouragement to you is this. Don't read the culture and then go read the Bible and try to find answers to the problems of the culture. Read the Bible and then see what the Bible says as you go and engage with the world. Start with Scripture. Because here's what the Bible teaches us, and and here's what we need to get right. This is the biblical story, my friends, and this is what God's purpose is for the creation as a whole. In the very beginning, God created everything, and he created it good. He put humanity in the garden and said, this is very good. Humanity was created to be image bearers of God, to reflect the love of God back to him, and to reflect his love to the world. But instead of doing that, humanity, which is part of creation, chose to rebel and it chose evil, thereby subjecting all of creation to evil sin. Jesus came into the world to save the whole creation, to redeem the whole thing, and one day he will come back to raise the dead and restore the whole creation. We live in the world now with the hope of what is to come, with the reality of Jesus' resurrection, and we step into the world to engage with it and bring this hope of a better day into the world. 
That last bullet point is going to continue to be the emphasis of this sermon series. We're going to get into a whole bunch of stuff about practically how the resurrection of Jesus affects our daily lives. Because what you believe about your future affects the way that you live today. See, if you believe in the worldview of progress, then what you're going to do throughout your daily life is put your hope in humanity and maybe even yourself instead of in Jesus. And if you believe in despair, that everything's falling apart, I just got to get out of here and get to someplace better, then what you will do is you'll deny the beauty of God's creation. You'll miss out on the fact that your body, broken as it is, matters to God. You'll miss out on the fact that you have incredible purpose in this life. But when you get a biblical view of the resurrection of Jesus and the life of the world to come, you will live in this life with renewed vigor and hope, with a great purpose for your life, and a love for the whole creation. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're able, let's rise to speak our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, ascended into heaven, and sits at the right hand of the Father Almighty, and thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. Even the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. You may be.